0: Welcome inside the Celtics Lab podcast. I'm Justin Quinn here with Kim about to your Celtics hub and off the glass. And we're here to try and sort through all of the chaos surrounding the Celtics Boston. What is going to happen with Gordon Hayward? Who's likely staying and going? What are Boston's likely needs? And who can help with them? We've invited the Athletics' Jared Weiss to help us answer these questions as free agency is sent to begin with Hayward as a free agent. Thanks for joining us, Jared.
1: Hey, yo, what's up, fellas? Stress! Stress. Yes.
2: Stress Stress and intrigue.
1: No, it's tranquilo right now, that's for sure. It's, uh, it, this is the most fun day of the year where it's, it it, honestly, it's like the entire day is a spinning roulette wheel and you're just waiting for that ball to settle in somewhere.
2: Well, yeah. And in years past, whether it's Hayward or Durant, we've had fourth of July's cut short hand wringing over this stuff. It's nice that we just get to do it in a random week in November.
1: Well, it's I not, think it's perfect because 2020, our 4th of July plans were ruined anyway, right? So it's only totally fitting. That's
0: it could good. have been Thanksgiving. We could be. It. Yeah, that's true. So what are, what are we dealing with here in this situation? Like what is our overall cap situation going forward? Uh, obviously, we are over the cap. If Hayward stays, we are in a much better position if we do, but... What are we looking at basically as, as kind of a, a broader like cap space picture? Because, I mean, not just the talent of Gordon Hayward, but, you know, if he leaves, we also lose any ability to do, well, not any ability, but most, much of our ability to do things uh, to adjust the team in the future. So, like, what are the concerns that we're dealing with here?
1: I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's the big thing is the Celtics have been pretty good about whenever they lose a player they managed to like get somebody else in their stead via sign and trade or they had cap space availability or whatever it was the case each year. So yeah, you know, it's funny, I actually start I'm starting to think that it's the norm in the NBA now that if you're losing a veteran player that you work out a sign and trade so that you can recoup something. It's kinda of like how in baseball and football they have compensatory picks for when your big star free agents leave. So the NBA is kind of like figured out that that's a that's a nice little way to try to make things work, and obviously there's always somebody to play ball because there's always a team that doesn't have cap space that wants to get their hands on somebody. So the Celtics, I mean, I don't think there's it's not a it's obviously not a mutually exclusive situation to manage whether they want to keep him versus try to recoup some asset value out of him before he's gone. So it's not like it like changes where they are. But obviously if it gets to a point where he says, I'm going to Indiana, make it happen at a certain point, it actually might be better to just be like, you know what, Gordon, we don't have any offer for you. It's wow. How lucky are you that you got Indiana to give you such a great deal? We're going to figure out a way to somehow get you there because like, I mean, well, I don't think there's a player in the NBA that could be attained in this situation better for their ability to win the championship next season than Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward is the absolute player that they want. But it's not just next season. The the NBA does not stop existing after next year. And while I I do think they legitimately could win the championship next year, and it is all about Banner 18 and all that stuff, I I don't think trading him for Miles Turner – compromises their ability to win next season that significantly, and it dramatically increases their ability to have a sustainable period of winning. So it's not a bad move if they're doing something along those lines.
0: You mentioned, you know, signing with Indiana would require a sign and trade. Uh, there are some teams out there, the Knicks, uh, possibly the Hawks. I'm kind of having a hard time keeping track of them with everything else that's going on, but at least at last time I checked, they were able to sign him. That may yep. be changing. Um, they can so depending on their future. And then there's also the possibility of him him resigning. Um, what is what do you think uh, he might be looking for if he does come back and what do you think Boston might be willing to pay like the most realistically?
1: You know that's that that second question is the hardest question because I mean you know that he's looking for at least 20 million a year for at least three years because he walked away from 34 million dollars this year and the 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 more conservative situation that i like to use is let's say he took he, he stayed on that one year and then he didn't have a good season and then and so he's you know he was like this season goes okay and so he's not really competitive for 30 million dollars a year anymore but he is certainly still worth what, you know, what, uh, what the athletics John Hollinger has him valued at at 17 million. John Hollinger has this like complicated system for determining player value um, market value. And it came out as 17 million. So 17 million right this year, this year that number is impossible to get from a cap space team or to get out of the free agency market without a sign of trade, because the teams that have cap space Maybe looking into Gordon Hayward, it seems like the Knicks are a possibility. It seems like Atlanta's a possibility. It seems like Charlotte's a possibility. Um, That's what I'm being told by uh, my sources with Gordon Hayward, and that's what all the other big reporters are reporting. Um, I'm a little dubious about that because a big thing that one of my closest sources with Gordon Hayward told me was that Gordon wants to win, that Gordon wants to play an important role on a winning team. And he can't get that if he goes to any of the teams in the NBA with cap space. The four teams in the NBA with significant cap space all suck. Atlanta is the only one that is showing promise of turning into a playoff team, but they're very—they're not cracking the top six, I guess, of the Eastern Conference right now. And let's see what Philadelphia is on the outside looking in on that. And we know Philly, even with with their either with their current team or if they trade for James Harden, can turn into a contender in the blink of an eye. So. Gordon Hayward, he has to do a sign and trade or stay with the Celtics if he wants to contend. And so, going back to the point I was going to make before, let's say like this year doesn't go so great. Next year, he hits free agency, and all the teams with cap space they all get max players. All that cap space dries up, and Gordon has to sign a, a mid-level exception deal. So it's like about ten million dollars. If you give, let's say, he signs a two-year, twenty million dollar deal at that point. That would be three years fifty-four million dollars if he had if he had opted in this year over the next three years. So you're thinking he he clearly thinks that he's gonna get about three years $65, sixty-five, seventy at the very least, somewhere. Maybe even a fourth year. Remember, Al Horford, he left Boston because he somehow managed to get a fourth year out of Philadelphia, which Boston very very smartly did not want to give him. And that was a pretty brilliant decision. <laughs> I'd say. So, so the point is, is that I think Gordon wants at least 20 million a year, probably closer to 25 million a year. I, I think that 20 million is probably a realistic target for him to get as the high end of his market. So the Celtics probably would have to pay that out for three years. I think it's a good deal because know. we know he's, like we know, it's it, it's only a little bit above what Hollinger has as his market value. We've seen how Gordon fits in this team. The the only honestly, the hard part with Gordon is is he willing to continue to accept this role? And I don't that that I generally I genuinely am not certain on. Um, I know that he wants to be somewhere where he can be a little bit more of the focal point. And with him, it's not it's not about being famous and all that kind of stuff. It's not about getting. It's not about like trying to get like super paid because like the dude's already gotten super paid. He already has a hundred million in the bank. Now um, it, it's about that. He wants to fulfill his potential and leave his like impact on basketball. Like the guy cares, like his whole life is dedicated to being a great basketball player. And he's in this situation in Boston where he can't really play to his full potential because he doesn't have the ball in his hands a lot of the time. Um and he, like, I mean, he's, compl- I've talked about this on a bunch of shows lately. I've written about this a bunch of times. Like, he's complained to me, people around him complain to me that it's, it's not a complaint. Complaints, like, kind of a little too strong. But, like, he, he's, he has said to me multiple times that it's really hard for me to find a rhythm when I'm not able to get consistent shots up in a game where I'm only able to get eight or nine shots a game. He once even broke down for me how, like, how many, actual shots and rhythm he was able to take how many like layups he was able to take off the move to try to kind of really find his game and it was like three or four game essentially because so many of the shots he was taking were spot up shots and stuff like that so gordon does gordon feels like he is compromising his full capability and his ability to like truly like you know just like like as a doctor like don't you want to like try to become the best surgeon possible and and you know, and make the greatest breakthroughs possible. It's like you know, being part of a great team is great, especially for learning. But at a certain point, you want to be able to see how far you could push your capability. And I think that's kind of this, 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 uh, this really tough decision in this crossroads that he's at is, in his career. Where at his age, he's his level of health that he's at now. Like this year is probably going to be his best shot at truly being the best player that he could possibly be the player that he's worked his entire life towards. And it's like, it's staying in Boston. It's probably going to be a bit of a compromise on that, but he has a very good chance of winning a championship. If he does that. And for some guys reaching your potential and being like, I became the best basketball player that I could have been is the mission for them. For some guys, it's just taking home a ring and saying, I want a championship. That's the mission for them. And I think Hayward, Those are the top two things for him. And I don't know which one weighs out the most in the end. And I don't think there's – I have no problem with either one of those being the top priority. Absolutely. So, So yeah, that's my short summary of the situation.
2: And, Jared, what's interesting about that is I kind of see – so we're recording this just before noon on Friday, and Stein has just reported that uh, this Indiana sign-and-trade is maybe approaching uh, the goal line. Indiana doesn't necessarily allow for him to be the man in the way that you're describing. I mean, not only with the Oladipo situation being kind of tenuous, could the Pacers kind of implode a little bit, but it's still a kind of crowded offense. Um, so I have been kind of reading these, this buzz about Atlanta and New York as kind of a smokescreen from the Hayward camp as trying to drum up leverage uh, mm-hmm. with him and the Celtics. But if in his heart of hearts, you know, he does want to be more of a focal point one of these cap space teams, Charlotte or New York, for example, uh, he does have more of an opportunity to shine, even if, to your point, it's not a winning situation. So, I have kind of dismissed the cap space teams being major players as Hayward and his people uh, drumming up leverage. But I think perhaps there's more of a chance that um, those are really in play than than maybe I know. I don't know what
1: you've heard. They they definitely are more in play than I thought they would be because when I forget the timing because just the last twenty four hours have taken about three years but um, I, I you know I I thought it was leverage. like I was hearing the I, I thought that was like really strong posturing the try to the try to get them to be like all right we're gonna offer you a good deal before you opt it out and then when he opted out. It's like this guy either is the ultimate bluffer or a much more realistic proposition is that there is a legitimate market out there. So, yeah, I do believe that some of these teams are in, um, you know, it's, I think what's really what makes it more viable for a lot of these huge cap space teams is that the Celtics are in a position where they're going to want to take in salary if they lose Hayward. So that they can continue to have some sort of asset or a good player or whatever it may be. So a lot of these teams with huge cap space are thinking we can bring in Hayward and not really lose that much cap space, so we can still target someone like Russell Westbrook, which would be really stupid of you. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason why the, there's a reason why those teams are in the position that they are. So yeah. So that's I I, I think that uh, just, just there's so many teams that think Hayward is more available than most other players out there because they know the Celtics have to recoup something for him.
0: So since we can't read his mind and only time is going to tell, we are looking we at... We could.
1: Well, we could. Yeah, we could <laughs> we 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 accept him.
0: The, the, the end result of him leaving, uh, that's going to make us still over the cap but a non-taxpaying team a non-luxury tax paying team
2: so we should you have I mean f- if he walks straight up
0: yeah if he walks and, and we get nothing back um, I'm not going to get into well what if it's this player what if it's that player because that's just a, a pointless exercise but what if it is but what if it is <laughs> the, but the MLE so this year the MLE is going to be 9.2 million dollars uh, that should be available to us right well, it unless
2: is. they uh, bring back, I think Miles Turner would make them a tax-paying team. In which case, they'd use the um, taxpayer mid-level, which is closer to six million.
1: Like you don't, know, yeah, actually, because they would have to take more than Miles Turner. So yeah, if they, if, I think, that, I think there is a way if they can unload Cantor as well. And I, I, I was expecting. I've been told that Cantor was probably going to end up in the Memphis thirtieth pick deal. Yeah, and that Memphis will be able to take them in. But I actually, it hasn't been, it hasn't come to fruition yet. It's possible it comes to fruition in the next few hours. So maybe that'll change, but that, that actually might not be happening. But I, I'm assuming they're going to be able to move off of, payor- of Cantor's money if they need to. And so if they move off of Cantor's money, because your uh, sign in trades, I believe you can be within 25% of matching. So you don't have to do like a one-for-one salary matching. Mm -hmm. I believe doing the sign and trade would probably get them below the tax line uh, if they work it right. But I think the problem, the problem though, is that um, once you, you spend that MLE, you just go back over the tax line. So I'm pretty sure that if you, if you're trying to spend the MLE and it brings you over the tax line, you are stuck with the tax MLE regardless. So I don't, so I don't, I, I just, I don't think any of, unless they were able to then flip, you know, I mean, there's always a possibility of some sort of third team absorbing a lot of that extra salary to get them there. And, and the Celtics back when they had so many draft picks you couldn't even count them. Um, you know, actually, you know, they did get a few seconds for that 30th pick. So it's very possible that they could actually somehow manage to spin off all this extra salary and get themselves far enough below the tax line that they could actually use the full MLE, which would be huge. That would be huge because you know. Forget about that hypothetical I was talking about before with Hayward about, you know, he strikes out on cap space next year and he's a good player that has to take a much lower deal to MLE. That's happening this year because there's, like, barely any tax space.
0: Yeah, you can get some good players.
1: Cap space. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about Cantor just a little bit uh, before we get into some of the, some of the I don't want to say lesser, but um, less big money uh, contracts that, that the team is, is dealing with. Um, Cantor, Cantor, you said might be going to Memphis, um, for the pick that they traded that we took Desmond Bain, presumably for, for moving him there. Um, if that doesn't end up happening, do we end up having to roster Desmond Bain somehow and make a decision about somebody?
1: I uh, know that that deal's already done. It's just a matter of whether Cantor is also going to be in the deal. So, okay. So that, so that wouldn't change anything. It would
0: just change in form some other way in terms of what it comes back, maybe a better second rounder or something like that. I know they have lots of really weirdly protect, protected second rounders in Memphis. Um, Parier um, to Oklahoma City, uh, presumably for cap space, uh, based on what's coming back, which I think they paid his salary, so that's my, my understanding of that. Um, now we have Semi Um he he looks like he is going to be gone. Um, I've been hearing some rumbles that he might be able to stay. Is that, that's kind of like a play if, if Gordon Hayward doesn't come back?
1: Yeah, there's, so his, they, they exercise his team option, but his deal's non-guaranteed. So the team option exercise, all it does is it just keeps him on the roster for another like three or four days so that they can have his salary uh, in play potentially in some sort of deal. And then they can waive him but they also have the option of keeping him if they want to. I mean, the guy's making like barely over the minimum. We know he at least can play, uh, but based on how little he's been utilized so far, you assume that he's not long for this team. Um, but he, he is still a unique player for them in that you know, like he's like a big versatile defender. So who can who can shoot a little bit? So you know, he is a three and D player, and they don't have anyone else like him on the roster right now besides. Grant Williams, who isn't quite as smooth of a perimeter defender as Shemi is, so they could keep him for sure. Um, but players like Shemi are pretty widely available these days. You know, three, I know three and D players are like all the rage, and people think it's like such a huge deal to get them. But they're also the most plentiful type of player. You know, most players can't really dribble that well. Most players can defend decently. So uh, Ojale is a very replaceable type of player, but he's someone who they really like, and he's a very good fit, and he's never going to complain about his position in the rotation. So, you know, I could, I could see him stay. And
0: then Wanamaker, Wanamaker is kind of in a similar situation. They have not picked up his option just so he can kind of test the market uh, as, you know, a good, good move by the team to respect him, but he might end up returning.
1: Probably not. Um, They have so many point guards already. A huge question would be whether Carson Edwards is still around. Carson Edwards is such an afterthought last year, but the dude's a the dude's still under contract, so it's very possible that he sticks around. Um, but I, I think that with Wanamaker, the assessment is basically, you know, they didn't extend the qualifying offer to him, like you said, so that he could have a more uh, robust free agent market. supposed to do right by him, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's mostly about just doing the the right thing. Uh, because if he was a restricted free agent those teams would be like, I don't want to offer you $3 million as opposed to $1 million because the Celtics can match up very easily. So by let, allowing him to become unrestricted teams can be like, all right, here's $3 million take it or leave it. And so that, that helps them a lot more. Um, but so right now, I just don't think they have a need for him. If Hayward's gone, if a lot of these other guys are gone, they need some veteran ball handling presence. They know that they know exactly what they can get out of him. So they could potentially bring him back, but it, it really, I mean, I, yeah as bad as Carson Edwards was last season, like we know Carson Edwards potential and it, it just seems like it would be really silly to not ever give Edwards a chance to develop into some, you know, a more substantial player just because you want to maintain Brad Wanamaker's steady play, even though it's very unremarkable steady play.
0: So is there anyone else that we haven't mentioned that might be on the move or that we should be expecting?
1: Uh, there's taco and Tremont waters. Um, I mean, Taco, I don't, I haven't gotten a sense of any teams that are going to offer him a roster spot right now um, or a guarantee, like a full guaranteed deal right now, but it certainly is possible. He, I mean, he clearly demonstrated last year that he's got a future in the NBA. There's no question about that. Um, The question is just like, do teams have the room to bring him in right now or is it going to be another two-way deal? So, If it was going to be another two-way deal, it would definitely make the most sense for him to stay where he is. And what's good is that the two-way deals are really—they're so much better this year. The NBA Mm -hmm. changed the rules so that it's no longer—you don't—you no longer get paid per day that you show up at the NBA level. You just get paid a flat half a million dollars, or like a little bit less than that. It's—it's basically half of what the minimum is for a rookie. So it's actually like a pretty. Solid deal, and it doesn't really limit your availability. You're only allowed to play 50 games, I think. So, I'm assuming Taco is not going to play 50 games next year. So, I think that it'll work out pretty well for him. So, the two way seems definitely a lot more appetizing. I I tried talking to his camp to try to get a little bit more insight, and they were like, Yeah, the two way deals are a little bit more appetizing. And then I said, Okay, so does that mean you're no longer dead set on getting a roster spot and you'd be interested in taking a two way? And they didn't respond to that. So I don't really have a read there. Uh, and then as far as Tremont's concerned, the expectation has been that he would get promoted to full-time um, just because he was so damn good in the G League last year. So I assume that's still going to happen and that they would move on from Wanamaker because of that. But you never know, obviously.
0: So what do you think Boston's needs are going forward? We probably addressed hopefully addressed shooting in the draft. I know a lot of people aren't super crazy about Peyton Pritchard. Uh he's definitely not anything that like screams like sexy uh basketball player, but he's really, really solid and I think that he has a really good shot. Um and obviously James Nees oh, excuse me, James Aaron Niesmith
1: uh <laughs> excuse me. I'm a little I've distracted. Done that one a few times too. <laughs> yeah
0: I'm I'm a little distracted by the um wonderful garbage people. And, and I, for those who are listening and unfamiliar, um, I live in Mexico City and this is how you know this wonderful sound. Uh, sound wow. Like an, it sounds like an ice cream, <laughs> sure ice cream truck. I don't know. It's a pandemic, we need to go in interact, there. I guess. It's uh, the, the wise thing to do. Anyway. Um, so yes, Kneesmith, hopefully, addresses the shooting along with Pritchard. Um, what else are we looking at for needs? Um I've heard that we, we we probably want a bigger, burlier, big, I kind of feel like we might want to find somebody. Maybe we could talk about who with a kind of a reunion tinge later on. Um, but does that sound like something we need? Do you, can you think of other things that maybe the Celtics will be looking for?
1: I mean, anyone that's all of any continent would be ideal, sure. Um, yes. I, do, I do think that, and I, I should have mentioned this before with Wanamaker, Pritchard, like, Pritchard's, like, a better version of Brad Wanamaker is what they're hoping. So, and I think based on what Brad and Danny said on draft night, they kind of made it sound like they're expecting Pritchard to come in and probably play what Wanamaker's role was supposed to be. I mean, don't forget, Wanamaker, when they originally brought him in, they, it, like, people forget, Wanamaker was on the minimum. Like, he was not, uh, he, was, like, he, he was basically the seventh man on the roster last year, but the dude was supposed to be the back end of the roster player. And so he had he had to really step up. I thought he did a solid job for uh, for sure. Even if he's like a relatively unremarkable player, he certainly is a very steady player. Pritchard is kind of the same thing. He's not, he's not going to be like super flashy. He's not going to be making incredible passes, running amazing picking rolls, hitting like tons of crazy shots. The dude's going to be a really steady, excuse me, steady, big size, good size point guard. He's just solid, well-built, Six foot two, which I guess used to be a big point guard, but I guess it's probably an average point guard these days with all the guys that handle the ball. You know, when you're going to draft it behind LaMelo Ball, who's like six foot eight, at running point, mm-hmm. you, know, you, don't, you don't seem that big anymore. It's six two and well built, but that's, Brad Wanmaker, I think was like six four and well built. And he was a pretty big point guard. But so Richard, I think is going to be that guy that gives them the steady hands, that can run the basic options, can spread the floor, can attack and, you know, he can drive and kick, all that kind of stuff and he's incredibly confident and obviously has a great winning uh, resume as well. And like, they know that he loves, he really thrives under significant pressure. So I think that that's that like that solves what could have been a need right there. Mm -hmm. You know, there, I think there was, there was a need for a backup point guard that could actually do something with the ball. And I think between Pritchard potentially giving them more capability that Wanamaker gave them, Tramon Waters advancing another year. Who's a very, very crafty, exciting, flashy point guard. Um, and then, just um, who am I forgetting right now? The top of Tommy Head, potentially Carson Edwards. Uh, I, I think that they have. They, I think they have enough of what they need to potentially get by and emphasize some of the other need areas, as opposed to really focusing on getting like a DJ Augustine or Jeff Teague or something like that. They might as well get a player like that. Who they can at least count on to be a score, but I don't think they have to have that kind of player at this point. So when you go from there for needs, if Cantor's gone, then yeah, they do need somebody that can bang down low for sure, whether it's to rebound, whether it's to be a post score of some sort. You know, like Cantor, Cantor, because they brought him in on the tax MLE, so it was like he was the signing, he was their main signing of the offseason. He was looked at like he was going to have to play a huge role for the team. And that type of player, as we learned, can't play a huge role for a team. But that type of player definitely is valuable in certain situations, and it's good to have them around. So they definitely need one of those kind of guys. Um, and I think they need off the bench another another uh, three-level score type. I mean, you're not going to find many of those kind of guys, but – Although if they have their MLE to work with, or even the tax MLE, they could get a guy like that. I think you know somebody like, like Danilo Gallinari, if he strikes out on free agency, which he probably won't, I think he's someone that they probably should target. Um, just somebody that takes, if, if Hayward's gone, there's going to be so much pressure on Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum to be like super proficient scorers and playmakers. And while they're capable of handling it, it's still a lot of pressure on them and they're still pretty early in their careers. And just having one more guy, especially a veteran like Gallinari who's been doing it for a decade now that you can really count on, I think would be really, really huge for them.
0: So there's a couple of different ways that they can add these kinds of players. So there's the, the, the kind of guy that you were talking about, Gallo, we wouldn't be able to add him without a sign in trade. Though there might be, maybe, I don't know what your opinion on this is, but there might be some, some options out there available, um, even without Hayward, that could theoretically be available via sign-and-trade. Sign but that's, that's not a very likely um, option. What about um, some options for the MLE? What are we looking at in terms of either MLE, in your opinion? What, what would some realistic and probable even targets be for that, that range of
1: salary? Oh, I wish I had my list in front of me. I I did I did a few stories on this. Um, trying to remember off the top of my head, but I think that huh, so the Chicago situation is really interesting. So they are letting Chris Dunn and Shaq Garrison go, and I'm really high on Shaq Garrison. He's like a six foot seven point guard who can you know, he, he can he, he's I mean he's a point guard, but he's not like he's not like necessarily a point guard as much as he's kind of like a. A big ball handler. Um, but he also can shoot the ball pretty pretty decently. And he's a very good defender. Like he's a really super active point of attack defender, a smart help defender, crashes the glass. Like he's a real high energy guy. I think he would be ideal for this team. And it could be realistically had for the taxonomy. I do think that he could be in play there, even though I think he's definitely worth more than that. But this is a very, this is a very deflated. Um, marketplace. So I, I think that's probably, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me, for sure. Um, D'Anthony Melton would, would have been somebody, but I just don't think there's any way that Memphis lets him go, and he's restricted, so I, I just don't think they're going to be able to bid up for him. Maybe if they wanted to throw the full MLE at him, maybe, you know, maybe Memphis isn't willing to pay $9 million to somebody who's probably going to be a good bench player, maybe a starter, but that's another guy that I've always been really high on, but I think that – you know, because, I mean, he's – Melton presents something kind of similar to Niesmith, And I think that Neesmith is good enough and ready enough for the league that they can count on him to be part of the rotation right away. But I'm a little skeptical that he's going to be a good defender right away, oh, no. that he's going to be a dynamic Not offensive sure. player right away. I think that stuff's going to take a little time. So I think that they still – they still should pursue some 3 and D help for sure right now.
0: Okay, I've also you mentioned Chris Dunn too. Um, he's kind of in that other. Is he a point guard? Because I mean, he doesn't shoot and he just no. Yeah,
1: he he is. Um, remember when Marcus Smart was terrible at everything on offense? Hmm. That's Chris Dunn. So <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> so try to keep it simple. That's that's who he is. So he's an amazing defender. I mean, as long as Smart is there, they just don't need him. To get okay. just there's no point of having a, a one way super defender on the team, and you already have the best defender at that position in the league. You just I don't think you really need it.
0: Well, for three and D guys, Hood, Bazemore, Clarkson, Burks, old friend Avery Bradley come to mind. Um, any of those, maybe? Yeah, you yeah.
1: But, you know, Avery, Avery obviously fits. Uh, Bazemore is someone I had on the list. That's a good one. Um, Burks, I, I don't think they need that, you know, but like, while it'd be nice to have a creative score coming off the bench. Well, you know what? Maybe, that. I don't know. It's just like when I watched Burks in the playoffs last year, the dude is just chucking and then he was just terrible <laughs> otherwise. And while, I, you know, if they're going to get a player that is going to be a chucker for them, I would rather target one of these guards like, you know, Jordan McLaughlin out of Minnesota is one I really like. Um, and I'm assuming they're going to keep him based on who they drafted. But he's someone that really tore it up in the G League, got called up last year to Minnesota, and was great. And he was scoring like something like 14 points a night for the last month and a half of the season. He's a super high energy, really athletic, you know, undersized guard, but – can really pull up. Kind of reminds me of Shane Larkin to a certain degree, although he's bigger than Shane Larkin. I don't know if he has a fifty-inch vertical like Shane Larkin does, but <laughs> he uh, he's he's really good. Also, Shane Larkin, if they can get him, if they can get him, that'd be great. But he uh, he's not coming over unless he's like a six-man. Basically, I don't know if he'd be able to get that role here. But um, yeah, I, I think that I would rather get one of those kind of guys where instead of it being a wing that. You have to kind of like feed the ball and he's going to take a shot if you're going to get a big time score off the bench make it make it a point guard that you could put out there next to some of your wings, some of your three and D guys, and have him just breathe energy into the ball and really lead the offense that way and then all of your wings are good defenders, you can really complement that, and you have more balance that way
0: so let's let's close this out with something that we hinted at earlier. Um, basically we've been kind of dancing around this, this notion of a few different potential Celtics reunions. I don't think any of them are going to happen just because the nature of the businesses that any particular target is hard to get, even if everybody wants to, to, you know, theoretically connect. Um, Aaron Baines as a big, uh, Rajon Rondo, um, Isaiah Thomas. And of course we already mentioned Avery Bradley. Is there a realistic path to any of these guys joining the Celtics again?
1: who Baines would be, I mean, getting Aaron Baines would be amazing for this team. Like, wow, that would be so huge for them. Because uh, he's, uh, for one, he's the best player in the NBA. We all know that. Two, <laughs> he he fills that need of having somebody that's, you know, a true power impactor underneath the rim um, that can do a lot of the stuff that Cantor does on uh, on the glass and stuff like that, while obviously being a very good defender. and apparently a floor spreader, which is so remarkable to say about Aaron Baines. But so it doesn't look um, good, but
2: it's effective.
1: <laughs> hey, whatever works, works. Right. Um, but so I don't think he's in play for them unless they get the full MLE. It seems like his market is stronger than the tax MLE. I mean, we know there's been a lot of reporting that he's definitely leaving Phoenix, so, I guess it sounds like that there's some teams out there that want him to be their starting center, or there's some teams out there that are willing to offer him eight, nine, ten million dollars a year. So, I don't think the Celtics are going to be in play for him, but it's, it's certainly possible.
2: Yeah, I think there's a, a few older or veteran players that could, if they are chasing a ring, find their way to Boston, but there's Better contenders if I was someone who wanted to chase a ring, are there more sure bets. And then Jared, to your point, there's also teams that can offer more money. So the Celtics kind of straddle this world of not quite having the most lucrative contract, nor do they have
1: uh,
2: the best, like, surefire place to contend for a title.
1: What biggest. That's role? interesting. Wait, well, I, I wanna, I wanna just follow up on that. Who do you think are the teams that are that have that have the resources to actually be players in the free agency market? that you think have a better selling pitch than the Celtics have well so that's
2: I think there's uh, if you wanted to just maximize your salary the Celtics can't compete just because there are teams with real cap space Um, and if you want to take the vet minimum or something close to it to contend there are other teams so it's not like the Celtics are so are a negative landing spot but I think for some players like Paul Millsap, for example, he might take decidedly less money if he wants to chase a ring. He might end up doing that in a place that is in Boston, or he might find a payday that is bigger than what Boston wants to offer, right? Uh, okay,
1: so I thought you were saying that there are teams that Millsap would like rather go to than Boston. Where I would say, I think Boston is one of the most competitive teams when it comes to making the pitch to somebody like Millsap. Hey, come, take, come get the biannual exception. Take $3 million this year and play 25 minutes a night for us. I think that's a really strong sell coming from Boston.
2: Yeah, I mean, compared to say like the LA teams, I think a player like a Paul Millsap gets a chance to handle the ball more, especially if Gordon Hayward's on his way out. So to that end, I mean, Paul Millsap's at the top of my list. I just used him as a placeholder, but yeah. I secretly really want the optics to sign Paul Millsap. Um, and while we're talking about reunions, I think we would be remiss if we talked about the reunion that wasn't because Frank Kaminsky is available
0: Oh, we, know no. how much,
2: we know how much <laughs> Danny Ainge seems to love Frank Kaminsky. So I think probably the worst possible outcome for the Celtics is that they lose. Gear. Gordon Hayward just walks and then they overpay Frank Kaminsky. I think that that would be hell on earth for Celtics fans.
1: I mean, as long as they have one white guy, that's all that matters, right? I suppose. I think there's, yeah, I think that's the CBA.
0: Yep. <laughs> oh boy. Well, are you guys plugging anything before uh, we get out of here? What should we be looking for from you guys?
1: Jared? Oh, uh, yeah. I, uh, I write about basketball for The athletics, So go check out The Athletic.
2: Yeah, Jared's really this up-and-coming kid. Uh, throw him a bone. He'd really... You might have heard of him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm over at Celtics Hub. Uh, just trying to, you know, add my, my flair to what is an oversaturated Celtics content market. <laughs>
0: And you can hear the wonderful background music I write for uh, Celtics Wire every day. It's great living in a city.
1: Any anyway. hey, shout out to Celtics Wire. That's yeah. right. I can't believe we, we didn't mention we got the, the, we got the founder and the, now the editor of Celtics Wire on the same pod right now. That's pretty exciting. Celtics Wire runs deep.
0: Indeed. <laughs> well, you can find the pod on most Podcatcher apps. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode and if you like what you hear please five stars you know the deal if you don't like something hashtag c l p o d as usual or in any comment of any article that we post the pod i'm always trying to bring you the deepest dives into celtics coverage and hopefully the background noise of us trying to get this to you in a very very busy period didn't drive you crazy thanks for listening